Lord, we worship you. Thank you so much for your presence. Amen. Wow. Um, I think we'll turn over to John 17 this morning. Pastor Ross kind of started us out on that. We might as well continue, right? Sure good to see all of you today. We're going to have a wonderful time with baptisms. Eight people are being baptized, and uh, the, the women will go that direction, and the men will go that direction, and we'll, we'll meet in the middle. And uh, then potluck. So we're all looking forward to the potluck. How many love potlucks? I know there's, there's a whole culture of people that only go to church because of potlucks. And, uh, <laughs> but potlucks really have, has been a boon for those, those of us that believe in divine healing because it sometimes requires divine anointing to break us out of the, the gastric issues that we have after potluck. So be, be very prudent and also be very uh, wise in how you choose your food today because prayer can only do so much. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, if we come into this time of, of uh, oneness, it's, you know, goes back to the motto that we have at our church, perfected in unity, revealed in love, expressed in joy. And so we see the, the principle of how we create a community, how we create a people that become expressive in their faith and who they are to the world. Because we understand that God didn't create the church so that we could just enjoy church. He created us as a people so that we could reveal who he is ultimately to the world. Because Christ came not to do so many things that we get so confused because there's so many things that he does. He came with one primary purpose, and that was to reveal the heart of the Father. Because he said, if you've seen me, you've actually seen the Father. You've seen this one that I represent. Because the, the connection between Jesus and the Father was so absolute and so beautiful that there was, it was seamless. When you have a seamless connection, then you, you cannot find where the connection was ever made because it seems to be always been one. If something has become one, it's one. That's why it says when we get married, you know, two shall join together, they will become one flesh. So it's the principle of unity creates the presentation of the singular. You'd have two that come together to become one. So no longer do you see the two, now you see the one. Amen? And so that's a little bit about uh, the principles of oneness uh, that we look at. And because God's creating us to be a, a prophetic community. He's creating us to be an apostolic community. He's creating us to be a people that reveals his glory to the earth. And see, when we join in with others, it doesn't diminish what we are. It only gives us the pathway to become something greater than what we are. If any two shall touch anything and agree, the Bible said, it, they, whatever they ask, it shall be done. So there's power in agreement. How many can agree to that? Amen. Everybody say, I agree with agreement. So when you come into agreement, 
you release a synergy that cannot be released as an individual. It's, it's incredible how it works, isn't it? When, when two agree, it's touching anything, it shall be done. Whatever they bind shall be bound. Whatever they loosed shall be loosed. So we're, I think we're only at the beginning in the body of Christ of understanding the power of agreement. If we come into this agreement and we understand that with the division that's in the body of Christ, a lot of the world is turned off by us because they see our division, right? A lot of people that don't really believe in God, they say, well, if you were really of God, then how come you're so divided? How come you've got 4,000 and so many or more than that denominations? How, how, how come you have so many different sects and different groups and all these different things? If this is really Christ, then is Christ really divided that much? Well, the reality is Christ is not divided because Christ is the, the very epicenter of what unity represents because he was so married or unionized and so one with the Father's will that there was no distinction between the two parties. If you've seen one, you've seen the other. That's what true unity is, isn't it? Unity is expressing a, a whole way that's different than what can be expressed as an individual. And we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 17 today and and, and explore this. There's, there's actually three things, and I think I'll get to a couple of the others more in a later message. But the thing that the Lord was speaking this week was that we need to pursue aggressively oneness. We need to pursue the connection that God has for us so that there, there's no separation between us. So there's a relentless pursuit of oneness. Everybody say a relentless pursuit of oneness. And then there's also a relentless and a new level of giving. And I'm not speaking about financial giving, even though that's okay if you, you want to do that. But it's, there's the heart of giving. Literally, is the heart that reaches into the heart of God. Because God himself is defined by three words. God is love. So love can only be expressed by the gift that it makes. Love is never something that comes to you because you deserve it. Love is something that's given to you because someone extends it. Someone has grace for you. If, if, you're, if, if you understand God, then you understand God is aggressively pursuing a relationship with you to love you like crazy. Everybody say, love you like crazy. Hallelujah. I like to be loved like crazy, don't you? That means to be loved with an abandonment, an aggressiveness, a, a fervency that literally encompasses me and takes me over. That's how much I want God to love me. Amen. And that's, he did through Jesus, didn't he? How, how could there be any greater demonstration of love than the art, than the ability to give your most prized possession? Amen. Hallelujah. Like Ross said on the, the video, he said, they are surrendering to us. They're a lot bigger church than 2,300 people last Easter in their four campuses. A lot bigger church, a lot more finances, a lot, you know, they're not as pretty as us, but th there's a lot of things about them that, you know, 
that's nice. And so I was so humbled when he said, we're the host. They've surrendered. And now we've got to open our arms to receive them. You see, the, when, when you enter into covenant, it always is initiated by the mutual sharing and giving of love one to another. For the great commandment is that if you love God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, your soul, that you also should love your neighbor as yourself. Because when love is expressed, love enacts unity and creates unity in the midst of us. It's only through selfishness. It's only when we're looking after our own self-interest that love is stymied or stopped from flowing forth from us. But when we give ourselves, we enact a principle that's phenomenal about revealing who God really is to the earth. So there's a new level of connection, a new level of pursuing this unity, a new level of giving ourselves. And finally, I wrote, there's a new level of becoming. There's a new level of becoming. Because we've often said, and it's kind of been one of our principal words, it's not about what we do. It's about who we become. It's not about how we express ourselves because all of us are going to have different expressions. All of us are going to have different giftings. All of us are going to have different callings. So it's not about what we do, but it's about who we, who we are and what we become. And so when you're put together in a situation that requires something of you, that's, what, that's when it's revealed who you really are. See, we don't know really who we are until we're put in a position that puts a demand upon a response. Because you don't know really who you are until you have put it in a challenged place to where a response has to come out of you. Then that reveals who you are. For it's out of the heart, the mouth will speak. So who you are is always revealed through you. We can't, you can't hide from that. You may want to hide from it. You may be ashamed of who you are. You may be concerned about who you are. You may be freaked out on who you are and you may put on a front of who you are. But when the, when it, when the push comes to shove, who you are will be revealed through you. And that's not a condemnation. If what comes out of you is not the right thing, it's simply a sign for you to point you back to him to find out who he is. So you can finally understand who you are. The the, the biggest challenge when you talk to people about their identity is that identity is very valuable to God, but it's not an identity that's separate from him. You see, Christ refused to ever be identified separate from his father. He didn't come to establish his ministry upon the earth. He came to reveal God's will to the earth. There's a big difference, isn't there? In trying to establish who you are, then let Christ be established through you. To be revealed through you. So you see that in every situation where we become identity conscious, we'll fail. Unless that identity consciousness comes from the source. Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher of our faith. Jesus Christ, the initiator, the perpetuator of who we are, the revealer of who he is through us. Because our, our 
purpose on earth is not for us to be. It's for him to be in us. And the longer you keep promoting yourself in this equation, the more disappointed you will become. But when Christ is glorified in you. See, Christ said, I've come not to glorify myself, but to glorify him. That's what we're looking for in the quality of the spirit of the people that we join with. A people that glorify the Lord. Amen. And that's what we want to be. We want to be a people above everything else that becomes this image. That becomes this transformed being. Becomes this one that's conformed to the word of God. Becomes this one that when Christ came, it said the word came and dwelt among us and became flesh. And was revealed to us. Word in flesh. And see, that's your destiny. Is that each one of us are to have the word dwelling in us in our flesh. So that the word can be revealed through us as a living word. A living epistle to be read and known of all men. Amen. Look at John 17. I, I, this, in fact, we may read the whole, the whole passage. I could do that and not have to say another commentary, right? Just let the word speak. But this is beautiful because I, I broke it down in three parts. Uh, chapter 17, verse 1 through 5. This is the part I see that where Jesus reveals to us his alignment with the Father. You've often heard it said that who you know is more important than what you know. Punch your neighbor and say, wake up, tired of you sleeping. Who you know is more important than what you know, right? And so who you align with then sets the stage for everything to unfold in your life. I mean, you could be the biggest dummy in town. In fact, Paul said that. He said the dumb, the unlearned, the ignorant people are the ones that will confound the wise. I mean, have anyone ever called you to your face a dumb and unlearned and ignorant person? That's pretty offensive, isn't it? But if you are one of those people, I hope no one's ever called you that. But guess what? In light of God's mind, God's intelligence, God's knowledge, God's wisdom, we're all that way. We're all dumb and unlearned and ignorant when it comes to the things of God because he's far above who we are. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. His words are more powerful than our words. So I look at myself as being a dumb, unlearned, and ignorant person in the light of God. But it said God chooses someone that sees themselves in this place of being subjected to him. He sees that person as a, as a vessel that he can use. Because now God can reveal his wisdom and his strength through that which is weak. Not that which is strong. The weaker you are, the more humble you are, the more submissive you are, the more broken you are, the greater you will be. Because it's in that vessel that God can reveal himself. But in your own estimation, if you're wise, if you're strong, if you're intelligent, if you're you're God's gift to the earth, then you're not used very much by the Holy Spirit. Because God uses the base things of the world. 
He uses the clay. He uses the earth. He uses the things that are least so that his greatness can be revealed. Hallelujah. Wow. So it says, let me read. Father, he lifted up his eyes to him. Father, the hours come, glorify your son. Verse one, that your son may glorify you in chapter 17. As you've given him authority over the flesh, all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is the eternal life that they may know that you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Amen? See, Jesus says that I... And the Father have the same glory together. And he, he said, I'm praying that, Lord, everything that I've done, may it be a reflection of your presence to the earth. It's so neat to meet this man, Jesus, because here is someone so devoid of ambition and self-will. Do you know when you meet as someone that's so devoid of ambition and self-will, it makes a dynamic impression upon you? Because that's not the human nature, is it? The human nature is not a nature of humility and the nature of acknowledgement that within themselves nothing good dwells. Within them nothing can be done. That's not the human nature. The human nature is comes and it presents itself in whatever form it perceives itself to be. But the Lord said, no, I've come to be in your glory. I've come to be in you, in you, in me. Hallelujah. He aligned himself with the Father. So being one with the Father and being one with one another then becomes the highest goal that we have as a believer. You say, well, that's not my goal. My goal is to find out who I am. My goal is to have a ministry. My goal is to have a position. No, your goal is to come to the place where you and the Father are one. Hallelujah. That's your goal because that's your expression. See, as long as it's what you do, you're expressing you. But as long as it's what he is, it's expressing him. There's a big difference. There's a smell test. (laughs) Amen. Amen. There's a smell test. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I've stunk up pretty bad. Because there's too many times in my 50 years that I've manifested Bill Hart. <laughs> you know, I've got this flyer back in 1970. Uh, when was it? 1971, January or so. I posed in my pastor's office in Amarillo, Texas. And I was sitting behind the desk. I was only 23 years old. I mean, I had the tie. I had the look. And had the praying hands sitting out in front of me like this. And uh, the book libraries, back pulpit commentaries and all these books and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, this looks nice, this picture. And the the headline, I wish we had it to show this morning. The headline says, all about Bill Hart. 
And though, so I listed on there, I'd only been a Christian four months. <laughs> I'd been, I'd been called to preach for two months, but I, but I listed on there all of my accomplishments. He assisted in soul winning missions in Amarillo, Texas. He did this and he did that. And I sent, I printed these things up back then. There was no email, right? Some of you younger people don't even relate to our generation. There was no email in the phone. She had to do zip, 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 like that. And it, it makes this noise when you did it. I don't know if you've ever even seen one of you young people. You have to turn the dial four, zip, zip, five, zip, zip, six, zip, zip, seven, zip, zip, five, 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 zip, zip, zip. You know? And so I didn't want to give out any real numbers. So all about Bill Hart. And so I had all these printed up and we mailed them to every Baptist church in the state of Texas. Because I just knew that, boy, and they saw that picture of me sitting behind that desk and they see all my qualifications of my four months of my salvation. That the phone would ring off the wall for invitations. Didn't get a single call. They didn't know what they missed, did they? <laughs> so I had to start out in nursing homes. I had to start out in the Salvation Army. You know, there's no better audience than the Salvation Army guys. Because they tell them, when you hear this, I don't know if they do it anymore, but they said, when you, if you, you go listen to the preacher, then we'll feed you lunch. And so they're all sitting there, very attentive. And all of them respond to the invitation. <laughs> They're just saying, hurry up and get this message over with. They were glad that I didn't have a long-winded messages back then. You people aren't so lucky. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. And so a priest in the Salvation Army, nursing. Then the little churches started calling me here and there. And uh, so, lo and behold, surrendered to preach in October 1970 and uh, July of 1971, I was called to be the pastor of Circleback Baptist Church in Circleback, Texas. Hallelujah. Man, Bill Hart had finally arrived <laughs> with the full expression of his ministry. $75 a week driving a Vega. Some of you young people know what a Vega. How many of you people know what a Vega is? Right? Yeah, Vega is almost as bad as when we moved here in '84. We're driving a three-cylinder Pinto. How many know that Ford makes three? <laughs> that Ford makes the three-cylinder Pinto. Hallelujah! Glory to God. Well, you get me distracted now. But anyway, it's not about us. And I guess the greatest revelation that I've had in 50 years is of realizing how much of it was about me. But that's okay because we all are weak. <laughs> but the great revelation is to see what happens when it becomes about him. How beautiful he is displayed through his people when they've opened their heart to receive him with this glory. He said in verse 6, I've magnified your name 
to the word, to the men whom you've given me. And he's talking about his disciples, man. Out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. You know, I, I like this because did you know the father has given us to the son? You think your life is your own, right? Well, this is my life. I'm going to live it. The Lord said, I have bought you with the price. You're a ransomed people. You're not your own people. Get that. You are someone that's been bought by the blood of Jesus. You no longer belong to yourself. Then there's sometimes I wished I did. I wish sometimes I could just break out of this thing and say, okay, God, enough is enough. Let me just live my life the way I choose. I mean, I don't really think that much anymore. The Lord's worn me down. (laughs) But boy, when I was young, I would wrestle. It's like when the, who's Jacob wrestled, wrestled with God, wrestled with God, wrestled with God till the hips were sore. That actually happened to me. Back in the seventies, I got a prophecy back in the seventies. that it would be like a Jacob that would wrestle with God. And I said, gee, thanks. I don't need any more prophecies like that. <laughs> you know, but it's no fun wrestling with God. Did you realize that it's worse than WWE? <laughs> because in WWE, they, they fake it. I used to know these professional wrestlers up in Amarillo, Texas. I don't know if anybody remembers Dory Funk. Or Terry Funk, you remember them? Yeah, I ran around with those guys. Can you believe it? I was a wild man. I mean, these guys were crazy. The professional wrestlers, you walk in the house and, and they throw you all over the room and you think you're dead, then you realize they didn't even hurt you. They knew how to do that. They knew how to throw you, throw you around and make you look like they were killing you, but they didn't even hurt you at all. They said, just relax and we'll take care of the rest. Bang, 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 bang. You know. And uh, these guys were crazy. I won't tell you some of the other stuff we did. I haven't told my wife yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody say crazy. Mickey knows what I'm talking about. Do you remember them guys? Yeah. Ricky Ramirez. My, my. Those guys could wrestle. And do, and do other things too. <laughs> but I did, you know, I've been good this morning. I haven't lost my concentration until now. I have to admit that. So if anyone is kind enough to remind me, I know about John. John's dear to my heart. I love John, but I know where was I at though? Okay. Oh, all about me. Yeah. It's all about me. It's a little bit about you, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, the church is kind of re- repelled, isn't it? You know, we used to have the days of the big ministries, and it was all about them. Now the Lord is saying, now it's all about you, I- him in you. It's neat how the body's coming forth now. It's not so much the emphasis now on the, the big men, the big women, or the powerful, charismatic, gifted people, but it's about the body of Christ coming forth in this hour. 
which is far greater expression than just having two or three guys you put on salary that can just preach, preach your ears off. But it's to see the manifestation of God working in people as they unite together as one. It's a beautiful principle, isn't it? So let me read quickly because I want to quit in about seven minutes. Which would leave me under the 40-minute threshold. We have people fasting and praying all over America for Bill Hart to get his messages down there. You know, and we're going to have to pray for Bill Vanderbush when he comes. Bring your, bring your rotten eggs. And when he hits an hour and 10 minutes, start throwing eggs when Bill Vanderbush is here. And, and he, he won't be offended. I promise you. Amen. He's a man of God. Verse 8, for I've given to them the words which you've given me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came from you. See, when we hear God's words, we know it's God's word. You know what it does? It reveals who he is. That's what the word of God is for, isn't it? The word of God is not given to us just to teach us some practical applications, which it does, doesn't it? But it's primarily given to us to reveal who he is. You say, wow, now I see him through the word. This is what God is like. This is how he feels. This is how he's motivated. This is his desire. I see him through the words that he spoke. Amen. So you and I, we're not gathered together here because we have the same social background. We're not gathered here because we all have the same income equality. It depends on how you vote in the election on how that's going to come out. It doesn't, we're not gathered here because we all share the same football team. Right? We're not here because of any reason other than the word of God is the cement that binds us together because the word is the expressed image of God, which is the love of God manifested. When love is manifested, it creates a unity because love always binds parties together. And when two parties come together to become one, there's always an expression of fruit that comes out of that unity. That unit, that fruit that comes forth has a whole new identity that which is birthed from it, that which is birthed out of. It's a duanity, yet it's still part of that which birthed it. Just like the mother births the child. We see in the kingdom age that the, the body of Christ is the mother, but there's a man-child being birthed. The manifested sons of God that are being birthed upon the earth. A whole new identity, yet still DNA tied in with the mother church that birthed it. That's the kingdom, isn't it? The kingdom is birthed. Out of this unity that comes when husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Then out of that giving comes this manifestation that the world is looking to see. The world's not looking for more churches. There's more churches now than, than we need. There's more churches that would choke on them. Everybody said, well, we just build more churches. No, we need to build more expression of what it's like 
to be joined with the Father. If we just had more buildings and more radio programs and more television stations and more, 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 more of this, then the world would know. The world would know when they see that we are so one together that we have the same heart, the same mind, the same expression that he has. That the world may believe because of our oneness. Because oneness is the pure expression of love. You say, well, I've got love. But your love has no validity to it unless your love has an expression of creating oneness with others. Your love has no validity unless your love... You always ask me to repeat something I can't repeat. Your love, your love has no validity... Because I don't write this stuff down. It just pops out of my head. Now you know why I'm crazy. I mean, now you know why when you listen to me, you don't know what you're going to get because I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> now, I've got to tell you, when you get under Ross more, he knows what he's going to say more than I do. So you're going to be happy. Amen. But love only has validity when it has an expression of oneness. Right. You see, God didn't ever create any of us to be separated but to be joined. He didn't create any of us to be demonstrative in and of ourselves, but our demonstrative must come with, in, with our unity with others. Because my identity is not found in what I have achieved myself, but my identity is found in, in him and expressed through you. Wow. What a community that would be, huh? What a community it would be when we come to the place where our love is so great that we're so joined that we become this expression of Christ to the earth. That's where we're headed. Did you know it? I think we're in the generation when the church is going to quit being divided and it's going to become one. And I think what we're doing here in this little church called whatever the name of it is now, this little church here at 3406 Tarleton Lane, which has had several names. And I think that's been of God. You know why? Because the Lord said, I don't, didn't want you to get stuck on anything too long. Because what I'm bringing forth now is greater than what you could have ever experienced. We have the opportunity, and it, maybe I'm giving it some overkill, but it's not roadkill anyway. It's overkill. We have the opportunity to be an example of something in this city that's rarely ever been seen before. Wow. It could literally be, you see, we put a deal on the foyer. What happens here impacts the world. Did you know that what happened between the Father and Christ, this joining together as one heart with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit coming into agreement in, the, in the, the, the manifold wisdom of God where they created this synergy of oneness as one, vehicle, one person and expressing three different people, but yet with one heart, one mind, and one soul, they changed the world. Now he's saying, I want that same thing that was within us to be within you. So you also can change the world. Did you know somewhere, somehow, someday, 
it has to be changed somewhere. When they split the atom and they blew that, what they call it, Big Mama? No, they called it, what the name of the first atom bomb? <laughs> big, big Mama, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many of you husbands know sometimes the mama can be like an atom bomb, right? Okay, <laughs> I got to shut up. Okay, <laughs> whatever they call it, little boy. I mean, what, that first bomb that went off in New Mexico right over there by where I grew up. And I got all the radiation from it, by the way, you can tell. But right over where I grew up, they exploded the first atomic bomb. Somewhere in the planet called Earth, there had to, there, for there ever to be other atomic bombs, which you wish there wasn't, right? There had to be, the first one happened. And there has to be in the body of Christ a people that are willing to let themselves be the ones that say, yes, I do. I do. That's a good title for the message. I do. What happens in a marriage vow? Will you take this husband, this man to be your husband? I do. Will you take this wife, this woman to be your wife? I do. That's what happens when the hearts of the believers say, yes, Lord, let it be done unto us according to thy word. Amen. God is good, isn't he? Let's all stand up together.